Yo, 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 it's your girl and boy CT. I'm Cindy Barnes. And I'm Travis Barnes. And we are the founders of the Overcomers Podcast. The Overcomers Podcast is designed to help you overcome adversity and live your dreams. Every week, we will be sharing stories of people who found their strength in their struggle. The Overcomers Podcast is sponsored by Journey 333. And that's a lot of threes, so let me tell you what it is. It's fitness, coaching, and nutrition. It is a place where we help you to look better, live better, and feel better, and it is mind, body, spirit. Today, we're going to help you get your mind right with our special guest. Hello, Overcomer Nation. Boy, do I have a treat for you. I think it was about 10 years ago, and I was in Providence, Rhode Island, and I saw this man speak, and I knew. I didn't even know all the accolades that went behind him at the time, but I just knew how special he was. I said, this guy has a whole lot more figured out than your average bear, than your average coach. Uh, much more than I did. And I was so blessed to be in his session. So today I have on the show, Dan John, he's competed at the highest levels of Olympic lifting, the Highland games, uh, a weight pentathlon. His books include uh, never let go mass made simple and easy. Um, he wrote strength with, uh, I don't know how to say Pavel's last name. So I'll, I'll go to Dan for that in a minute from dad to grad. I know he wrote 40 years with a whistle recently. Uh, Can You Go? Now What? Uh, another co-authored book, The Hardy Style Kettlebell Challenge. Uh, recent book, Attempts. We can't even begin to cover all the knowledge that Dan has blessed our industry with, but we're going to make a good attempt today as we be respectful of Dan's time and bring him on the show. So, Dan, welcome to the show. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. Uh, sorry about any confusion. That That's on me. I've had a busy couple of months, but hey, uh, uh, hi. I, I know it's, I don't know why it's so foggy in here. It doesn't. Yeah, we'll just roll with it. But uh, no, thank you for your time. And, uh, you know, I know how busy you are. So, you know, we'll get right into it. Um, you know, Dan, first, I just wanted to ask you, is there any way, you know, being the Overcomers show, is there any way that adversity has shaped your life? Do you feel oh. like there been any struggles that have created? Man, I don't, I don't. I, <laughs> I don't know of anything I've done in my life that didn't start at some level with adversity or th there's a story for everything. And, and almost always, always it's overcoming. It's uh, I mean, my athletic career is built in the fact that I'm the youngest of six kids that I'm the, I was the youngest kid in my class because of my birthday. Uh, I'm Irish. So I hit puberty late um, and overcoming all those, you know, always being the last to, to hit puberty, being the youngest, just, I think, made me constantly sprint um, to try to stay up. And by the time when I caught up, I sprinted past. I um, I don't know. And it's it's my knock on these helicopter parents who, who try to make their kids' lives easier, uh, you know, especially when it comes to sports or academics. I mean, athletics and academics, they, they both have the same – you know, if you try to open the doors for them, that's great, but you're, you're killing them long-term because you're um, it's, it's the struggle. It's the challenge. It's the learning the little things. That's my knock on sports specialization too young is that if you play soccer uh, in the summer and basketball in the winter, we'll just make it that simple in the soccer, you'll learn triangles. And when you come back to basketball in the winter, you'll understand at a different way triangles and you'll be used to see looking for 10 other people, not just four. So a lot of the things people do nowadays are I'm just so against because 
I think long term it doesn't actually um, support support the athlete the support the athlete's career. Yeah. Yeah. No, I love what you're saying too. Uh, you know about hitting puberty late and things such as that. You know, maybe there's some listeners. Maybe they have a son or daughter. You know, they have certain concerns about uh, stuff such as that. But uh, this. <laughs> You may be listening rather than looking, but uh, Dan John certainly did sprint, catch up, and then pass. I mean, we're talking about uh, just, uh, you know, Dan, you have some amazing records and things that you've done and achievements. And so, uh, you know, hey, parents, don't worry and listen up. <laughs> listen up, Overcomer Nation, if you're. Uh, yeah, listening. actually, I would even go to the point that, uh, you know, I, I first heard this in the 70s, uh, Trump, uh, is that. Uh, you actually want to, you'd probably want to piece together a team. You know, if you have a, like an American football team that those kids one through 11 say good for you, but the, your team will be uh, 12 through 35 long-term, you know, those, the problem you see is, you know, if a kid, and, and the thing is you can't help yourself. Mm-hmm. Everybody projects. Um, uh, I, I use this example a lot, but it's a rare high school female soccer coach who doesn't say, I tell you one thing, we're not good this year, but we're going to be great in a couple of years. Our young girls coming up. Well, yeah, it's true because they're eighth, ninth, 10th grade girls. They're pre-secondary uh, puberty. Mm-hmm. Uh, they haven't yet been hit by the social real, uh, you know, life. And, and, and the social life in the female athlete in high school is, has a major impact. You know, it's kind of, you know, girls don't want massive traps and, you know, huge shoulders and, uh, for some reason. And, uh, and, uh, and so what happens is very often you, you can't help yourself, but project, you got a five foot nine, 165 pound boy in the seventh or eighth grade, throwing you know, you know, throwing fastballs and striking everybody out. You can't help, but project it. Oh, no, no question. Well, yeah, but the problem is he's going to be five foot nine, 165 as a senior throwing 79 miles an hour which would strike kids out in the eighth grade but you know is just batting practice at the, at the next level so this happens all the time uh, uh and and i'm not saying that that you can't be great if you're not great young i mean you see that all the time but that's the problem you know you see the serena venus williams you see the tiger woods you see the lebron those are just a couple examples at uh, yo-yo ma uh, the, the the cellist uh, you see a couple of those examples and you pe- mentally people go well that's the norm mm-hmm. but that is actually the you know it's it's a, it's a very rare you know uh, kind of thing so yeah um really good really good uh, uh every every championship i have uh, we did this thing at the olympic training center i'm uh, sorry to cut in on you but this is important because they gave us a you had to write the top 10 worst things that happened in your career and the top 10 best things that happened in your career. And uh, Jim, the, the, the psychologist came over because he goes, I wanted to see yours. Mine were straight lines. My lowest point in my career led to my highest, my second lowest point, my second. It's just, it's straight lines. Mm-hmm. So uh, coming out of the, coming out of the, whatever you want to call that, the defeat, the jaws of defeat, the whatever, that's what makes you know that that's what ends up making your happiest moments and there's nothing new the the uh the poet prophet Cahil gibran said the same thing 100 years ago at your happiest moments look inside your heart and you'll see the seeds of your saddest moments mm-hmm. at your saddest moments look into your heart and you'll see the seeds of your happiest moments there's why do why do people cry at funerals and weddings yeah. same same reason 
So good. So good. You know, getting what you want, you know, like we as coaches, when we talk about, you know, the way that we train people, we understand that the strength comes from the struggle. Mm-hmm. Right? You know, you shouldn't get everything you want. You should have to struggle for it and then maybe get some of it, but maybe not all of it. You know, it's a, it's a much better way to live. There's much better lessons in it and a much well, better. Way. You know, in coaching, when you win the state championship, uh, you don't learn anything. All of a sudden you think that, you know, uh, all, all your systems were in check. <clears throat> you think that uh, you were flawless. If you lose the state championship on the last minute by two points, um, you you look over everything and you unpack those tiny little things. So sometimes winning, this going to sound so contrarian, but sometimes winning can actually put you behind because you're you you miss very often. Like in high school football, you'll win four games that. Honestly, it's one or two plays, but when you, when you look back, you forget that you think that, you know, you just were faultless and flawless. So you have to be a little careful on some of this stuff. Yeah. yeah. No, that's really good. I was uh, listening to something the other day and it was just talking about, uh, uh, you know, how there's very few people that respond to winning, like the way that Michael Jordan did to walk into the gym the next day at 5.00 AM and, you know, keep on working. Right. You know, uh, I think Jerry Rice, yeah. those championships, you know, but, uh, very few people respond that way. In fact, it can be a bit of a setback because you you think that you don't have to work as hard anymore. You're you're not working towards those big goals. Yeah. In, in one of Bill Walsh's books, he talks about winning the Super Bowl and coming back, and he's sitting in his office, and he's basically just kind of like cleaning papers and stuff. He's just, you know, uh, trying to find a place to put the trophy. And he looks out the window on the practice facility, and Jerry Rice is running uh, patterns. Jerry Rice is preparing for the next season. Uh, you know, as much as people talk about uh, Michael Jordan and all that, I've always thought personally that Jerry Rice uh, w- is a much better example because, you know, in basketball, you can probably, and of course, everyone always forgets the Chicago, but they had Steve Kerr coming off the bench and hitting, you know, six, three point. The Jazz had an answer for everything the Bulls did, except for Steve Kerr. The Jazz were better. It's Steve Kerr is the difference, and and you can disagree with me, except I was there. Uh, but uh, yeah, so it is interesting. I've always thought Jerry Rice, and, and and he is, I mean, absolutely respected. But he was also in a game where you know he needed ten other players uh, for him to get the ball. Whereas you know there are no there are no breakaway layups in American football. It's always a snap a throw, a block, uh, you know, a lot of stuff has to go on. So I, uh, for hard work, he, he's, and the interesting thing is, again, if you follow, you got to be careful. If you, if you try to do things the way Jerry Rice did, you may end up a miserable put failure. You might need a lot more time off. You might need more this or that. And so you have to be careful. You know, just enough. I'm, I'm rambling. Sorry. No, that's great. <laughs> you know, I wanted to ask you a few questions. Um, I remember being in your presentation a while back and uh, you were talking about some assessments that uh, we have a lot of fitness enthusiasts that listen to this podcast and I, I don't, I'm over 40 and so are they, right? We're not necessarily older, but these are, this is some really good information. And it, one of the assessments was, I, I think it was how many hands do you have to use to get up or. Uh, oh, uh, let me go. Do you want to go through the whole thing real fast? Yeah, if you could, that'd be awesome. Yeah, okay. So it's called, 
Yeah. It's called the one, two, three, four assessment. Mm-hmm. One is, can you stand on one foot for 10 seconds? Now, if you can't, I send you to a medical doctor because something is wrong. Now, it could be morbid obesity, but that's still, I mean, I'm not going to work with a client who is morbidly obese without medical help, medical intervention. Mm-hmm. So if you can't stand on a foot and someone's going to say, well, should you stand on both foots? And I'm like, okay, good. Yeah, whatever. I don't care. But if you can't stand on a foot for 10 seconds, they're okay. So that's a pass fail. Then we go to two and two is two measurements. If you weigh, and the measurement is simple. If you weigh over 300 pounds, I, I used to say, go see a doctor, dentist. And I, now I pick up the phone and I schedule your appointments because people don't fall. But I have you go to a dentist because if we're going to have to do dietary interventions, you're going to have to have no, you can't have cavities and crowns, uh, crown issues. Mm -hmm. So, you know, very often, by the way, they come back and yeah, I had seven cavities and I'll be like, yeah, I know. Uh, Mm -hmm. Not that I knew you had seven cavities, but I knew the reason you're eating beige food all the time is you couldn't bite down. Number two, I haven't seen an eye doctor, an eye doctor. Uh, really can give you some insights about your general health. And of course, uh, I'm just, uh, you know, someone called me an ableist not long ago, and that kind of bothered me because I didn't know what it meant. But uh, it means that I I tend to focus on people with both limbs and vision and uh, hearing, which is funny because I work with the deaf community, which is kind of funny. But your eyes really are a, a window into what's going on. And then after that, I sent you to the third one will be a medical doctor. Because by the time you get there, those other two doctors will have convinced you, you need to make a massive turnaround. Okay. Stand on one foot. Measurement number one is, do you weigh over 300? Measurement number two, we take your height and your waist. If your waistline is over half your height, I you are a body composition client, no matter what else you tell me. Mm-hmm. Uh, the bulk of the clients I work with, their waistlines are over half their height. So the bulk of the people I work with, no matter what they say, and uh, if whatever else they say, they are a body composition client. Mm-hmm. So if you want to do this or that, great, but I'm going to work on body comp with you. Right. Okay. So stand on one foot, two measurements, three questions. Question number one um, is the most important. Uh, how many pillows does it take for you to sleep comfortably at night? Mm-hmm. If it's more than one, you're a mobility client. Okay. And some idiot always says, well, I don't use a pillow. Well, is that more than one? Uh, <laughs> you know, you, yeah, I love it when people try to one-up you at workshops. It's always kind of funny. But <laughs> the bulk, Our gym record for pillows is nine. A guy used to play in the NFL a long time. And, and when I got him down to three, his wife thanked me because she could finally get a full night's sleep. <laughs> and right. it was mobility work. Now, the interesting thing with most men, the most of the men I work with, we call them twos because of the Venn diagram we use, but most men need have body composition issues and have mobility issues. Now, they want to lift weights. They want to get their bench up. They want to do curls. But if I can get them to do more bit mobility, more mobility seems to help them sleep better. More sleep seems to help on body composition body composition seems to help them sleep better, which helps their mobility in their body. And it just starts this little loop for a while, not a long time, but a loop, it happens. They increase their sleep, they increase their mobility and they, and, and, uh, they, they win-win. They want a bench press, but they need mobility uh, 
they need mobility and more sleep. Questions two and three are just for me to figure out what kind of person I'm working with. Uh, question number two, do you eat colorful vegetables every day? And everybody answers yes. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, with any kind of honest follow-up, you discover no. <laughs> um, and then the third question is, do you exercise for half an hour a day? The answer is always yes. The truth is no. So I'm at a place in my career uh, that I can just say, well, if they say yes to both those questions, my response is simply, well, then I'm not going to have to work with you because you're already doing everything. Then the person has that moment of, of, of honesty. Okay. So stand on one foot, two measurements, three questions. This takes a minute, two minutes at most. Uh, and then the four tests. Can you hold a plank for two minutes? Any plank you choose. I don't care. And I didn't care about the quality of the plank. I don't care. It's just, a, and the way to make people fail the test is not say anything for the first minute, anything. And then at 59 seconds, say halfway. And pe- most people fail. No one in my gym has ever failed the plank test. Uh, the joke is it, we're strong, but we're fat. You know, <laughs> if, they, if they fail the plank test, we're finished. We're, we are done. Interesting. Most of the women I work with now are body composition and who also need strength work, but they want to do mobility work, uh, but they really truly need strength. So that's just the way. Then after that, there's two simple tests. One is if they pass the plank, only if they pass, um, standing long jump and then a farmer walk. Don't worry about them uh, right now. Or, but those two tests test me. After six weeks, I expect the standing long jump and the farmer walk to increase. Um, if if you've lost 12 pounds with me, you will jump farther. If you've been lifting, you will jump farther. If you don't, there's something wrong with the program. Your farmer walk should improve. Your grip should, strength should be up. Your work capacity should, should be up. Your farmer walk should be up. If not, I'm doing something. And finally, your point. I and I used to use the Brazilian get back up test exactly. Now mostly I just say well, you get down on the ground and get back up, and I can just look and just see. Mm-hmm. Uh, and usually it's massive mobility issues. Uh, it's it's anything from strength to mobility, uh, old injuries, or just lack of getting up and down off the ground. So that's my one, two, three, four uh, assessment. Yeah, no, I thought that was so good and, and so enlightening and. And I guess I, I want to go back a little bit because you mentioned, um, well, one, overcome a nation. There's a good one. Is your waistline more than half your height? Uh, that's a great little test that we can all just do right now. Uh, the optometrist that you mentioned, uh, if we went a bit deeper on that, uh, the reason you have to see an optometrist, I believe, is because they can spot diabetes. Is that correct? Is that what you're looking They can for? see a, a good eye doctor can see uh, blood pressure issues diabetes, uh, uh, actually cholesterol. They can see cholesterol. Uh, it's one of the few places you can actually see plaque. Mm-hmm. And this is the thing that uh, Dr. Keller, my guy, uh, he knows, like he can tell me when I'm getting ready for a surgery. He, he says that. He says, he can, well, it's also obvious by the way I'm moving, but uh, because he can see the, the amount of damage done, the stress and the cortisol and the inflammation is done to my my veins. Um, and at last I go every December, last December, he said he was shocked to see, uh, how much less 
pain I'm in 24 hours a day. And also how much, you know, uh, my pipes went from looking like they were on fire to very, very open, very happy, no visible signs of cholesterol. Uh, And, and because I'm, you know, I've, I mean, obviously I've lost weight. I've taken care of the injuries and, uh, and yeah. I do what I'm supposed to do. So I'm trending in the right direction. Yeah. Wow. These eyes really are the window. That's yeah. so really cool. And, uh, you know, I, I guess just for our listeners, I, I know we have a lot of fitness enthusiasts at, at our specific franchise. They do these DECA events and it challenges them to do a farmer carry. <laughs> and uh, They'll do a farmer carry for a hundred meters and, uh, the women use a 40 pound dumbbell in each hand and the men use a 60 pound dumbbell in each hand okay. just for standardized, you know, competition. Right. But you would have a goal that they would carry how much, uh, in relation to their body weight, uh, body weight, their body weight. Okay. Yeah. And, the, and, and I, it's not really body weight. Um, if you're using pounds, just use a trap bar, uh, make it very, very simple. I mean, you could do it as simple. I mean, let's just make it, let's go three numbers. 135, 185, uh, 225. So if you're 135 and below, you pick up the 135, 180, 136 to 185, 185. Anybody over 186, 225. You could throw in 205 there. You can make it as complicated as you like. But what you'll find over time is you really don't need a, it. The base, like you did, you guys did the 60 in the 80. That's just some, whatever is that the, you don't want to, if you get, it it just becomes a waste of time. Uh, it's just too much work. Uh, back when we used to use farmer bars on this, I mean, trying to figure out, you know, how to load 197 pounds to two <laughs> different loads. I mean, two and a half pounds on the end. I, I mean, I don't even, I mean, I right. days figuring out what the heck to do with that. Yeah. Sure. So, uh, and then I moved away from dumbbells and farmer bars uh, to trap bars simply because we can go fast. It, we can go much faster. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, so if there's as few as 10 people, it doesn't sound like much, but swapping out um, dumbbells and uh, the swapping the weights on farmer bars versus just going who weighs 135 or lighter here, go who weighs 185, go who anybody else go. And you just go back and forth and, chalk up and go next person goes and chalk up next person goes yeah Mm -hmm. really good and what's your distance that you want them to travel with that uh mine is to my corner and back on my street which which works out to probably i mean 100 meters 100 yards in in that ballpark Uh, we don't it's not uh and you never test yeah yeah uh when you mentioned the long jump you know having a goal for them to get better standing uh, long jump yeah yeah uh is there a goal with that? I I, I think I remember, uh, but uh, I'd rather have you. Uh, your, your, your body height. Yeah. Your body height. Can yeah, you? Jump I, height? I think you should be able to, there's certain things I think you should be able to do the rest of your life. Stand on one foot for 10 seconds. Um, Stand on one foot for 10 seconds. Um, Hang from a bar for 30 seconds. Sit in the bottom of a squat for 30 seconds. Standing long jump your height probably get up and down off the ground with minimal ugliness you know uh, yeah how no, we decide to measure that one yeah very functional things for everybody to be able yeah. to simple stuff i mean there's nothing i mean there's nothing in there and the thing is i feel that all those are pretty defensible you know when someone raises their hand and says well i'm missing you know 
a year when I got called an ableist. It's like, well, okay, but if you're hang, if there's an alligator in the water and you're hanging from the bridge, that 30 seconds is giving me a little bit more time to go help you. Right. Okay? right. Yeah. And it, trust me, if you fall in the water and there's 12 crocodiles, it doesn't matter what you, you might have been fine dropping in, but things are going to be changed when you get out. Okay. I mean, I'm not. <laughs> you know, you mentioned uh, grip strength, and, and I and I remember this also in your presentation. It had a little bit to do with life expectancy. You know, you're mentioning yeah. getting off the ground, and uh, at Journey, our franchise, uh, the second highest demographic that we have, if our first highest is age 40 to 60, our second highest is actually over 60. Uh, we we do a great job uh, customizing and making the uh, maybe slightly older population feel uh, more comfortable. Uh, but you have some great, uh, great information for for those folks about. Uh, I'm trying to remember in your presentation, it talked about suffering a serious fall after the age of. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. So I mean, if you could, could you share sure. that information with our sure. people? Today, sure. You know? So I'm 65. I'm 65. Most dangerous thing in my home is the floor. Okay, uh, I. And in total candor, uh, I have an issue with skin cancer. I've been dealing with it for about 20 years. And yeah, I just, you know, you go in and you, you know, you got to go in four times a year and I look uglier every time I come out. Um, but it's better for me to have it, it statistically at my age, it's better to have cancer than it is to fall and break something mm. at my age, statistically for longevity. Mm -hmm. um, and the thing is, when you look at most gyms and you look at the way people train, uh, you'll you'll see that most people um, never get up and down off the ground. And I asked I, I asked this to presentations. How many of you still have your parents? When is the last time you saw your parent voluntarily on the ground? Mm -hmm. You know, voluntarily. And the joke I always say is, watch all the TV you want, just watch it from the floor, like a like a a single digit kid, you know, like an eight year old would do it. Learning to fall and recover, uh, you know, is is in, is is something we're not doing a great job on. But I say that's part one of it. So break falling is part one of it. Part two is just getting up and down off the ground, and getting comfortable that if I do slip on some orange juice in the kitchen, I I don't don't I don't go into massive great white shark panic mode. I go into uh, dogfish, you know, leopard shark panic mode. Oh, they're, they're you know, they're, you know. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, I don't freak free. I don't go crocodile alligator. I go into lizard mode. You know what I mean? Yeah. Right, right, right. Um, and then the third thing, and it's so, I mean, this is just, so we got fought, we got hit the ground and, you know, do something smart. Two, you know, is, you know, getting up and down the ground. So you have a little bit of mental bandwidth to deal with it. And, but even before that is uh, we do a little drill where you kind of just step onto one foot. It's like a, like kind of like a stopped speed skater. So you step onto one foot and then just hold it there for a moment. So you, it's okay. It's not a lunge, you know, it's just, you step, hold, catch yourself, bring yourself back kind of a slow speed skater, if you will. But the idea is what makes you fall very often is you go, huh? Whoa. Yeah. Whoa. Yeah. 
You're not if you do the explosive. Yeah. So what you do is you practice hitting that stumble. Um, my friend Taylor Lewis calls it stumble proofing. <laughs> you you so it's so you should there should be three phases to it, so to speak. There should be actual practice on mats on how to fall. There should be some get back up, get back down, Turkish get-ups, uh, rolling on the ground, standing up, stand up, sit down, fight, fight, fight. And then the but also too, the other one that a lot of people would ignore is the idea of practicing a stumble and bringing yourself back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which, yeah. Really good takeaway here, Overcomer Nation. So to improve longevity, make sure that the most dangerous place in your house is not the floor because you know how to land, you know how to get back off of it. Uh, exactly. So this, it's it's strange that you, you mentioned some of, this, some of these topics because it's called bounce. It's about resilience coming back. Okay. And one of the things is uh, I've gotten to the point since you've heard me last that I don't, I, I've taken this idea of the ground and all this to, to much, I wouldn't say more elegant, but just more, more thoughtful. So one of the things I strive to do is we don't just, okay, it's great that you bench press. Good for you. Yay. You're a bench presser. Well, not very often in life will you actually do that movement, but that's, but if you press standing up, well, that's different, isn't it? It's a different level. And if you get on one knee on the ground and you press, that's a different level. If you lay on your brat back on the ground and you press the floor press, that's a different level. And if you walk and press, we call it the seesaw press. That's a different style of pressing. Every one of those presses was pressing, but we did them at different levels, different, different positions. The seated press, military press, and the standing press is subtly different. The single hand standing press is subtly different than the two. So uh, what I'm doing now with my work is I'm trying to encourage people to not only so progression in weightlifting, the most obvious one is load. I mean, everybody, I mean, that's, I mean, that is almost, almost by definition, weightlifting increased in load. I mean, it's right there. In the, and then the next progression would be most people would talk about a sets and reps. Frankly, I think the least two important, uh, three important things in progression are load reps sets. I think far more important is movement, movement patterns. So if all you have is um, this coffee mug is your load, that's it. Well, we would experiment in, in dozens of different ways to make you work really hard. So if I hold the coffee mug here, I don't know if for those listening, you can't see, but I just put the coffee mug on my fist, okay? And there's hot coffee in it. So when I go to press that coffee mug, even that coffee mug isn't very heavy at all. And I don't, I don't like talking to you right now because there literally is hot coffee in there. Yeah, yeah. Just talking to you with this light load, I can feel a little bit. See, you notice I've stopped. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I want to pour hot coffee on my lap. I'm sure. that way. So simply by changing where you hold a load, simply by changing by putting one knee on the ground, putting a, putting a foot up on a chair, uh, walking, uh, walking backwards. Walking backwards and pressing illuminates you. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you, you. Honestly, I wouldn't want to compare it to that crocodile level of anxiety, but it as you're pun- punching your arms, walking backwards, you know your spider senses are trying to figure out all kinds of things. You're freaking yourself out, which is a nice way to get 
I mean, we're trying to get that engine revving up. We just revved your engine up. You know, mm-hmm. everything I always teach, as you know, is very simple. My, my goal. Uh, I don't and, know if it's simple or if you, that you make the complicated simple, right? Like we, I think uh, we overcomplicate it and you do a great job for all of us coaches that are, you know, uh, still trying to gain the knowledge that you've uh, invested in over the years and you have to share, you simplify it. And I'm like, huh, that's why I thought first time I saw you, I'm like, man, I want to learn more from this guy. I went right out mm-hmm. and bought your books and uh, which I recommend everybody that's listening goes out and buys these books. You'll be better for it. Your training be better for it. Um, so uh, in fact, we'll post them in the show notes. Thank uh, you. Dan, Dan, final question of what do you want your, uh, what do you want your legacy to be? You must think about that with all these books and all the information you try to provide. If there's, if there's like one thing, I, I know legacy is such a big thing, right? No, you know, there's big books and no, stuff. no, 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 no. Travis, I think about my legacy constantly. Okay. That, that's not, that's not exaggerate. I, I, so I'm basically, I'm older than my mom was when she died and I'm sneaking right up on uh, basically when my dad died, I'm, I'm about the same age. Mm. Um, so my folks died young, my aunts and uncles died young, people in my family, my, this hat here, this paradise hat, you know, paradise, California, my brother died, you know, if you guys watch, if you guys didn't get the national geographic channel, that show called rebuilding paradise, uh, Ron Howard was the, uh, director. The last third of the movie is my brother's funeral. Oh, wow. And uh, it wasn't very long ago. And, uh, the San Francisco Chronicle wrote, I mean, it's an article and, and, you know, I mean, when you read something like that and, and of course my brother's death was just absolutely tragic. I mean, uh, the word tragedy means goat song and it was a absolute goat song. Um, so I think about it constantly. I, I, I talked to my daughters, uh, Lindsay and Kelly about, uh, the financial stuff, you know, uh, I talk, I talked to them about, and and my daughter Kelly made a beautiful point the other day to me. I, I brought this up to her, and I hope you don't mind me being as candid as I always can't not be candid. That's who, <laughs> That's who you are. Uh, and she said, "Dad, I don't want your money. I want you. Want you to take us all on a vacation, and so we'll have the memory. I don't need. I want the memories, not the money." Mm-hmm. And I thought, "Well, it's good. I've uh, I haven't had a perfect life, but I nailed that one. You know." <laughs> That yeah. was that was that was pretty profound. Um, my my books are my legacy. I've got a new book coming out not not long from now. I'm finishing touches on it. I mean, literally this morning. Uh, uh, called Easy Strength Omni Book, uh, and I'm the next book is is something you you know more about. I'm I'm going to take uh, Intervention. Can you go now? What and then Easy Strength and compile them into one. A, one book you know so they're all you know and that will be another that's a that's a legacy book right. you know that's a, a collected works kind of thing um it bothers me uh in fact gentle readers listeners if you could i should everybody knows i should be in skyline college's hall of fame i mean the hall of fame people think i should be but because of COVID and everything else or whatever i just i mean i really want to make sure i'm in skyline college's hall of fame not to not to say how great I am, but I, I brought them their first state championship. I was their state champion. I was the captain of the team, MVP. And it changed Coach Lahati's life. And from there, he, he changed countless other people's lives. So I, I don't want our state championship 
77 California state championship to be lost in, because it just, we meandered away from it because of whatever. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I think about my books, you know, I, I think about my books. Uh, I, I'm in this office today, but you know, over there, that's, those are all the military groups I work with. Those are all the, they, yeah. they always coin me. I mean, I think about how many of those young men are dead, you know, from the wars, you know, uh, and, and I try to keep alive, you know, I keep this wristband on from a bunch of my friends who got killed uh, uh, 11 years ago this month. Uh, they all got killed. A whole bunch of my friends who I trained, um, uh, you know, and I, and I, and I think about, you know, and I think about them and, and I think about the fact that, you know, the, the, the one guy's daughter, uh, she's 15 now, how quickly we forget everything. And so my biggest concern is, you know, the, the old Jewish concept, you know, that you don't forget people's names. So I'll have a tombstone or I'll have my name up on a wall or, you know, uh, I have a, a grandson named Danny. I have a niece named Danielle. I have a cousin named Danny. Mm -hmm. My DNA will live on with my grandchildren. You know, ideally at some level, part of me will live on, you know, uh, Pythagoras. Everyone knows Pythagoras as, you know, the triangle guy, you know, mm -hmm. A squared plus B squared. People don't know he was also a, a coach. He was an athletic coach. Uh, his uh, son-in-law was Milo of Crota, the guy yeah. who picked up the bull. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But uh, Pythagoras, Pythagorean theorem, he was a coach. But he also had this idea about immortality, to achieve immortality. Build the house that I'm sitting in that right now. Write a book and you have my books. Have a child. And I'm here, I just listened to my, my grandsons upstairs. And plant a tree. And he said that that was the four the four steps to immortality. Wow. I take it much more serious than most people. Uh, and people actually think I'm joking when I talk about this. Oh, you're always talking about your death. And I'm like, uh, very soon I'm going to be right. And, uh, uh, you know, <laughs> uh, one of my good friends is, is probably going to be dead, you know, soon. Uh, within a couple of days ago, I would send days. Now I'm saying hours. And uh, his legacy you know, and I'll obviously make it public when it all happens, but, uh, you know, his, he took me aside in 1973 and showed me a few things about the discus and, um, he had a marvelous career and, you know, because of, of that few minutes, he helped me when I was a freshman, sophomore in high school, allowed me to help all the athletes and people I've helped my whole life. That's what a legacy is. Yeah. A legacy is when those few small little moments carry on and carry on and carry on wow thank you so much for sharing your time with us and sure. thank you this last part I, I would i'm inviting you back now for legacy part two where we yeah. <laughs> that, would be, that would be so awesome and uh guys dan john go out there google it uh just pick a book <laughs> you you give so much good information from every single one of them uh dan Thank you so much for being on the show today. You're a true overcomer and uh, just somebody that I just hope you guys listen to this episode again and again and just go get more information from Dan. Thank you well, so thank much. Thank you. And I, I I do indeed apologize about any and all <laughs> mistakes on my end, but 
Sometimes, you know, when you got a hundred, what, uh, you know, you got a hundred balls in the air, you're going to drop one. So, all right. How busy this guy is. He said, listen, I get so many emails in my inbox. He says, please don't send it until a few minutes before the show so I can find it. Right. You know, so like, I get it, Dan, no problem at all. And it's, uh, it's thank been you. Bouncing. All, all right, my friend. Thank you. Stay in touch. We'll talk soon. Okay. I'll see you in Providence. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening, Overcomer Nation. Make sure if you haven't already, give us a five-star rating. Make sure that you share this and subscribe so you can see all of our future content. That's right. And if you'd like to be a guest on a future show, go to overcomers-podcast.com. If you're interested in our franchise opportunities with Journey 333, then go to www.journeyfitness333.com. And finally, if you like what you heard today and you feel like you're somebody that needs a bit more coaching, go to travisbarnes.com.